Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 65, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. A very warm welcome, folks. A big show in store for you as we have two special guests. That's right. I said two special guests. Not only do we have the irrepressible, the irreplaceable, irreplaceable <laughs> Danny Wexelman, but also Skid oh, Scrubby. Oh, come on. I said irreplaceable. Pete, just let me finish. We also have the legend that is Squidge Rugby joining us as well off the back of his big Major League Rugby video that has been doing the rounds this week. But as always, the omnipotent one himself, PJ Rugby 9, Peter Steinberg, the professor, back for another show. Pete, how are you, my friend? I'm, d- I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The, uh, um, as, as we... Uh... As we record, hopefully um, my two kids are falling asleep with um, Yvonne putting them down, but, but doing well in, in the lovely, uh, lovely state of Colorado. Oh, the hope of every parent that the kids are actually sleeping. Actually go to sleep. right. Not always reality. And we welcome in Danny Wexelman, my PIC for the MLL draft, MLR draft just uh, what, two months ago now. Has it been that yeah. long, Danny? Two months now? In June. We went to Boston in June. It's now uh, August. Yes. That's crazy. I'm excited I'm... to be here. I feel like um, you should Venmo me some money after this for whatever I'm getting myself into. Um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm over 30. I have no idea what Venmo is. So you're on your own. I'll write you a check. We'll be talking about how we move money around a little bit later today, right? So we can... uh, We will. um, We we could make it like a financial literary section. (laughs) Pete, that was really smooth. I like it. We will have some big announcements later in the show that you would have seen in the last couple of days from league headquarters. But first, before we go much further, let's jump into our first interview, Pete. And it is with Robbie Owens, better known to the rugby world as Squidge Rugby, who... Blasted himself onto your radar around the World Cup last year in Tokyo. But MLR fans got a taste of his in-depth analysis this week when he released a video, Why You Should Love the MLR. We got a chance to sit down with him earlier today. And joining the show now, very special guest and uh, really the man of the moment in Major League Rugby in a very long and quiet off-season, Robbie Squidge-Owen joins the show all the way from Wales. Uh, first, Robbie, is it Robbie or Squidge? We'll get that out of the way first. Oh, which I, either, either, I don't mind. Um, I'll answer to almost literally anything. All right, we'll build the brand in Squidge. We'll keep that going because Squidge Rugby <laughs> okay. has become your brand and an incredibly mm. impressive brand it has been. Let's just talk about the history of Robbie Owen and the metamorphosis into Squidge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds, sounds good to me. All right, well, tell us the story. Oh, how sorry. Okay, that was a that was a cue. That was a cue. Sorry. Maybe start um, a little bit with your back, rugby background. Okay. Uh, I mean, having what come was this second row, right? Uh, of course, of course. Back forward. People, people look at me and they think basically back is Bofa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think coming from Welsh blood, I had no choice but to be into rugby. You know, I had uh, when I was sort of six or seven um my dad took me out of school on a friday afternoon in order to drive us down to cardiff to watch wales play japan um which was a friday night game and there were quite a few moments like that in sort of you know the first 
the, the early years of my life in which rugby was very much forced onto me. Um, and eventually it kind of clicked, you know, it was sort of around the, the two grand slams where it was one in the noughties. Uh, where I kind of went like, oh, this is great. I get it. I get it completely. Um, and after the 2008 Grand Slam, I got into, you know, watching the Ospreys and watching wider. Um, and over the course of about a year, that grew into not just watching the Ospreys, but watching all the Welsh teams. And then from there, it grew into watching uh, all the rugby I could just, all the rugby I could see. So watching every international I could find, starting to watch, you know, the Munsters and Leinsters and the Premiership and so on. Uh, and that just grew completely out of control to the point in which, you know, I was regularly getting up at three in the morning to watch Samoa play Georgia. And, and, and when did you feel like people would be interested in your views about the game? I mean, that's so, so there's lots of people that watch the game. Yeah. But, but when you get to the point where you're like, hey, I have something to say that other people might be interested in. How did that, how did that yeah. happen? Well, it sort of didn't for a long time. Um, so I remember I played a bit as a teenager. I, I was never very good at all. Um, but I remember during the 2011 World Cup going in for training one morning um, and it was the morning that, I don't know if you remember the Scotland-Argentina game in that World Cup, but Lucas gonzalez Amrosino scores this brilliant individual try with about three minutes to go to win the game for Argentina. Um, and I knew he, everyone was talking about that game and talking about just this Argentine guy. And when I said his name and I referred to him as Amrosino and I, you know, I'd, I'd been watching him play for, for years and seen him play for Argentina A even, not just you know, the odd games in that World Cup, uh, everyone kind of looked at me like, why would you know that? <laughs> and there are a few moments like that of just people kind of going like, hold on. And I kind of felt like that didn't fit, you know? There's a part of me that felt like sort of, because my watching rugby was very nerdish, you know, rather than being, I, I didn't fit the mold, I guess. Um, and I then, I wrote a few pieces for uh, Blood and Mud, who, you know, do a podcast and they used to have a blog that went quite regularly. Um, and I just, I wrote, I sent some stuff I'd written, you know, on the side before to Lee who edits it and you know, he's on the podcast um, and he liked it and he asked me if I wanted to write some stuff for them uh, so I wrote some bits and they went quite well and I'd always kind of wondered why no one was doing the YouTube thing it'd been in the back of my head of just it feels like a huge gap in the market why isn't anyone right. doing it um, and then when they started to go well I so I accidentally fell into a job I hated um, I accidentally got a job with UPS because I had the meet the job interview arranged for me. I thought it was just, I didn't realize it was a job interview. I thought it was just a meeting. I was going to go, go along and kind of go, you know what, I'll think about it and then not apply. Um, I turned up on the day and they took me in. They said, by the way, this is a job interview. And I kind of went, oh, right, okay. And then I sat down and the woman said, so no one else has turned up, so you've got the job. And <laughs> I ended up working for UPS for three months which was the minimum length I could do on my contract. Um, and I hated it because I, um, as we said, like, I, I, I don't look like Baki's boater. I'm not a man made for heavy lifting. Um, it was not for me. Um, but while I was there, I sort of in my head wrote that first video I did on the Ospreys. And I kind of went, okay, I think I've got the tone for this channel. I think I know what it looked like. Um, and so I then went ahead. I quit the first day I could. And I used the money I'd made to buy a new computer so that I could, you know, with editing software so I can make it properly. Cause I've done quite a lot of sort of video editing software of video editing stuff in the past, but it was all quite basic and I hadn't used kind of professional software. I'd been on the, the windows movie makers of the world and the, the cheap freeware stuff. Um, yeah. So I just kind of went all in 
thought I'm just going to give this a go. You know, I wasn't expecting it to become a full-time job. I just thought this could be something that's interesting. and could be, could potentially launch something else. Um, and I think it's safe to say it kind of worked. It kind of went quite well. <laughs> well, no bigger indication of that squidge was when six nations came after you for copyright <laughs> and started pulling your videos down. And obviously the message that you had in your videos, not only did you have something to say, but a lot of people wanted to listen because mm. it was a groundswell of fan support that actually got the videos back up and six nations to back off, you know, fight the man, you know, get him down, trying to hold, hold you down. But a uh, similar thing happened during the world cup last year, but then a groundswell mm. of support come through. When did you realize that like, well, hang on, this isn't just me making videos here. A lot of people are listening and enjoying what I have to say. Yeah. Um, the video I made on Connor Murray, which I think was my third video, did loads of views, but I didn't quite click then. You know, I was just kind of looking at it as a number and going, oh, that's bizarre. Um, and I didn't, that wasn't kind of sustained. Uh, so the moment it kind of, I guess, sunk in a bit was I made a video on Sam Warburton, um, the week he retired. And I then went to the cinema. I watched the new Mission Impossible film. I came out the other side and turned my phone back on and I had 200 plus Twitter notifications because Sam Warburton had tweeted about my video. And that was surreal. And having grown up watching him, him having been the Wales captain for, you know, a large, my teenage years, basically, uh, he was there as, you know, the guy and Lions captain and everything. I'd say he'd taken 15 minutes out of his day to watch my video about him. Felt bizarre. Uh, so that was the moment it kind of clicked for me. I was like, oh, people are, people are watching this. Like, it's, it's not just me shouting into the wind and every now and again a few people click on it by mistake. Uh, no, there's people engaging. And then as you say, like the, the thing with the Six Nations and the copyright situation last year was really affirming in the end because it was, they went down on the Friday night and it was kind of terrifying because um, I felt like I'd sort of lost what was now my job and I'd also lost this big body of work that I'd spent so long on. And... Then the following day, instead, by the time people found out about it, by, you know, by 10 a.m. the following morning, there was this petition, which hundreds of people, I think in the end, thousands of people signed. Uh, there were copies on Reddit of people who'd written, um, you know, emails to Six Nations, and there were dozens of them. Uh, there were so many tweets about it. There was one I remember. The Six Nations posted a tweet of something like, you know, which prop would you least like to scrummage against? And all the replies, there was like 30 replies all about put my videos back up, um, which was great. And it was so genuinely affirming and fair play to Six Nations. You know, they swung on it. They saw actually this matters to people and, and they were willing to change their mind and go back on things and, and work very reasonably with me from there. I think it's interesting because like you said, there was a hole in the market. This is now the modern way that people are interacting with sport right and it, and it mm. does feel a little bit like all of the contractual agreements that were probably signed 10 years ago yeah. but one of these deals haven't really caught up i mean i'll say that um i i started watching you a little bit but but the world cup was the space that i said wow this guy is actually like not just entertaining but really interesting and i think it was the england usa game where mm. you broke down england's kicking strategy to exploit the fact that AJ McGinty was right-footed and wasn't really couldn't do much with his left foot, and how they and I'm like, wow, this is a level of understanding of the game, which is like like people like myself, like coaches that watch games a lot and think about strategy, really bring to the table, and that's really unusual. So, because you know, you know, where does that come from? Like like that deep understanding of how the game works and where the strategy. Do you 
Do you have any mentors? Do you talk to other people about that and any connections with rugby coaches and those sorts of discussions? Because I, I literally was like, wow, this is like, I, I kind of want this guy on my analysis team if I'm looking at like playing another, you know, an, a, you know, an opposition at the World Cup. Yeah. Oh, firstly, thank you. No, I, I hugely appreciate that. That's a really lovely thing to hear. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it comes from just reading so much on rugby and being so clued in on it. Um, and it kind of, I said this elsewhere, I think once, but I don't know if it counts as self-taught if you've read every book on the subject. Um, but I was consistently reading and, and watching as much analysis as I could. And I just always found it fascinating. I, I find little details of anything really interesting. You know, anything I find interesting myself, I want to know as much about as possible and where it came from and how things change and how things continue to evolve. Um, so it's something I've just found fascinating. Um, so it's, yeah, it's come from listening to as many podcasts, watching as many interviews and so on as I can and reading other people's analysis. And it's something I know I've got better at as the channel's gone on. You know, I know I've got, I've began to pick up more and more uh, just naturally, just for the fact that I'm in, now every international I will watch multiple times and you begin to pick up so much from that rather than it just being actually, I, you know, I, I watch this thing and you might begin to notice a pattern, which is where I was before this, you know, right. I, so I, I could have told you in some detail about what Wales and the Ospreys were doing because I watched them every single week and was paying you know, as much attention as I could. Um, whereas now I'm far more likely to be able to tell you about, you know, every team in that World Cup, I could tell you some details on pretty much. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's basically just come from being a, a student of it. You know, there's this, a, there was a thing Quentin Tarantino said once, that I didn't go to film school, I went to films. And just because he watched enough films, he kind of taught himself to be a director from there. And I think that's kind of been my approach to rugby. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I know at the World Cup, the commentators mm. for World Rugby were using your videos as part of their preparation, especially really? like, like, like the lesser known teams. Like your knowledge of Uruguay is pretty, pretty <laughs> impressive for those. But let's, let's talk a little bit about how you got into Major League Rugby. I mean, it seems mm. like you're a fan. You, you have this great um, video that's up that, that, that's Thank looking you. at Major League Rugby and what makes it great. How did you find it? And, and you know, um, why are you a fan? So yeah, I watched you know bits of Major League Rugby in the first year. Just I'd watched bits of Pro Rugby the, the year before, kind of as a curio, kind of as an interesting thing. Uh, in the way I watched bits of the um, South American League that started in January as well, partly as a you know as an interesting. Oh, I wonder how this is going to go. Um, and in last season, I found myself you know whereas before it was those first two years, I was kind of watching it as a oh it's on you know it's, it's more rugby I can dive in, or it might be you go oh well you know. The, I suppose not Manani last year, but you know, a player X, a big club is playing. That could be fun. Um, and then the more I watched of it, the more and more into it I got, and the more I started to think, actually, this is this is really fun. And re while still being rugby and still being of a good standard, it feels different. You know, it doesn't just feel like like the Premiership or the Pro 14 or the Top 14 or whatever. It feels like its own thing. Um, and so it got to the point where this year. Uh, from about the second round onwards, I was kind of putting in my calendar that, okay, this game's on it. You know, they're all on like 10 p.m. through to 1 a.m. my time. Um, but I was sort of sitting there and watching them on, particularly the weekends during the Six Nations, because I was so keyed into rugby, especially even more than usual. Um, so, yeah, I just, it just sort of something clicked for me slowly over the course of the, the two and a bit season so far. 
Well, obviously the big thing that you've done is the video on Major League Rugby. It's closing on 50,000 views very, very quickly on YouTube. Mm. You add in social media hits as well on those bases, I imagine probably close to 100. Judging from your last probably two months of work, it accelerated mm. that number quite quickly. Why do you think there is a, an interest in the USA? Is it because it's that, uh, like you said, the, the teenager with the glasses, 10 things I hate about you, or uh, she's all that, and you just take them off and move the hair to the other side and all of a sudden they're beautiful? Is that all, is that all it's <laughs> going to take for us, just to remove the glasses? But why do you think there is this global interest in America, I, in particular Major League Rugby? I haven't seen she's all that. That's a, a gap in my team movie knowledge. Um, which I'm generally pretty good on, but yeah, that's one I need to fill in. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I'm excited. I should check that out afterwards. Uh, there's some homework for this, but yeah, uh, <laughs> to answer the actual question, um, I, I'd love it if that's what's happening. Um, I think there's something in, from the impression I get from, you know, it's again, it's reading stuff and it's speaking to other people at the last two world cups. Um, but there's a real sense of community and pride in American rugby because because it's quite a niche sport, you know. Um, and so I met people um, who would say how excited they got just to be at a World Cup where everyone's talking about rugby. Um, so I think there's this kind of feverish excitement about it, about people that are interested in it, um, in the way that there always is when you meet someone that's into your thing, you know. Um, but then I think on top of that as well, because it feels different and because it feels new, you know, in rugby, which is a sport that's so built on traditions and is so proud to say, you know, this league's been going since 1826 or, you know, Leicester Tigers boasting about how they've been around for 160 years or whatever it is. Um, there's something genuinely quite exciting about MLR being different and new. And I'm repeating myself now, but yeah. Um, I, I hope I roundabout touched on the question, even if I didn't quite get there because I'm too <laughs> caught up on the fact there's a TV this, that I need to watch. I, 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 you know, this 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 makes me realise, Squidge, that you might go through a few edits of your videos as you go. <laughs> yeah. There. They probably start like an hour long. You've got to cut them down to the 15 minutes. You know, oh, yeah. You, you talked about how um, Major League Rugby is different, and I think those of us that are over here feel it. And, and you're right about the American passion. Mm. Uh, for the game. I mean, here, if you want to play rugby, you're driving four hours to yeah. play a game and driving four hours back. Like there's a very committed, you know, like you said, niche, but, but, but committed fan base. But the game itself for me is actually just more exciting than watching a pro 14 or premiership game. Like, yeah. like there's space, there's more scoring. Um, the games are actually competitive, like 85% of the games like a really competitive is is that is, is it just the fact that it's exciting rugby or is it the fact that it's exciting rugby and it's in like a new world for for rugby yeah i think those are both interesting points and as you say it's this new thing but there's also there's enough ties to the old world and there are every team will have players you've heard of you know there will be the the beasts and the Mananus and so on. But beyond that, you know, like Jason Tovey, uh, also going to San Diego and so on, and players who've been playing consistently in the European leagues and Super Rugby. Um, that helps. And as you say, it's it's consistently entertaining and open rugby. And there is the beginnings of an MLR style developing. You know, you're beginning to see well, it is more open and there's, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of cross kicks going on. I started to notice, especially this year, um, or just 
and sort of tacky minded kicks. And as I talk about a bit in that video, uh, that there isn't that much kind of pressure based kicking. And there's the odd kick for territory, but teams tend to keep the ball in hand an awful lot. And that does lead to rugby. You want to keep back, come back and keep watching over and over again. Um, or you want to, you know, stay on and watch uh, the Toronto Arrows play in the game afterwards, after the one you've watched, <coughs> even though it's 2 a.m., um, which has happened to me. Um, so, yeah, it's, as I say, I think there's a, there's a huge range of facts, and I think it's beginning to click, especially if it hasn't been around a couple of years now. And there isn't the thing that there was in its first year and with pro rugby where you're kind of going, okay, this is interesting. Is this going to work? Now people are just beginning to go, oh, this is working. This is something that is exciting people and people are getting into and people are beginning to kind of go, actually, this is my team. This is my club and I've attached myself to them. Um, And I think all sport is better when you know the players and you know the clubs and you know the teams, the franchises that are taking part and you're able to build some sort of narrative around that. And that's beginning to develop without it being, as I say, it's, it's not got the premiership thing of going, well, these clubs meet for the 822nd time. It, you know, there's, there's something different whilst also being, whilst also, yeah, building a kind of structure around it. And you can now go, well, these are the teams that won last year. These are the teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, I've walked around in circles there. Um, but I began that last sentence in a way that began, or the last part in the way that began, that did not sound like the end of the sentence when it should have been. Um, so I'm just going to stop myself talking I think, now. I think, I think, like new and familiar is probably the, 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 way, to, the yes. way to think about it. Now, um, you know, you're an Ospreys fan yeah. for your sins. Um, are you a fan <laughs> of a particular team in Major League Rugby? Obviously, it can't be one of the winning teams because you're not used to that, right? So it's probably not San Diego or the Arrows. But, but is there a team that you follow that you're like, oh, this team is really interesting or the way they play is interesting? Like, like, is there a team or two that you follow more than the others? Um, I mean, I've sort of, I, I've really enjoyed San Diego just because of the build-up of their squad. Um, and I feel like I should go for the Toronto Arrows because it's the only host city I've actually been to. Um, yeah, because I've, I've been to Toronto, I haven't been to any of the others. So I feel like I should go for them. And I kind of did at first, but it didn't, it, for some reason, you know, your heart wasn't quite clicking with it. And then... <laughs> And I don't know why, but something felt right about the New England Free Jacks. I think, oh. it, I think it might be the name. I think it might be the fact that I tried to Google what a Free Jack was and nothing was coming up. And I went, that's great. I love that. I love that they made up a name because it sounds so spot on America, you know, especially for that kind of New England, you know, that area of America. Something about it sounded right. And I just thought, you know what? I like their kit. I like their style. I like the fact that they're they're so scrappy. And I think it's I think it's the Free Jacks. I think the team um, settled in MLR. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get your uh, details. I'll see if we can get some Free Jacks kits sent over. I think that's a I think that's a, a good value proposition for the New England franchise to get you wearing some stuff. What do you reckon? Oh, I'd love it. I've had a look, but the the shipping costs the UK are extortionate, so it becomes a uh, Okay, I've got to, I've got to think about this a bit more. The guy no, about to say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm thinking about the the shipping and the delivery yeah, and all right. of this, and yeah, just as well, it's not a massive package they're bringing over. So what's next? What's next for for Squidge and Major League Rugby? You're going to keep obviously a focus on the league, but 
Is it something that you'd be uh, interested in looking and doing a regular segment on as the season kind of picks up again? I'd love to do more on it, yeah. Um, I actually, the the video you saw is about half of what I wrote. Um, so I I wrote something and I realised this would be about half an hour. And so I kind of chopped it in half and kept it to just the key points on what MLR is and kind of the essence of the league and odd, odd points of analysis, but I didn't go into too much detail in that one. Um, so I have more and more in the individual teams that I think I'll pick up around the time the league begins again, which will be presumably January. Um, so I'm going to come back and do more on MLR in January time. Uh, and I've got the majority of a script written. I guess, you know, the stuff I've written on the two new franchises will have to be updated because presumably by then they'll have rosters. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'd like to do more, you know, going to next season and potentially when we get into sort of finals time, because I suppose the start of the season will overlap a bit with the Six Nations. Um, no, actually, we don't know, you know, there, there isn't an official schedule, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it'll become a, a lot of it is based on what else is going on in rugby. And, you know, I, I can't think about anything else during the Six Nations or World Cup. They just, they eat all of my time every minute of the day. Um, but outside of that, I'd love to do more in MLR. Yeah. Oh, we absolutely love it too. Any exposure we can get is always good exposure. Well, uh, I've got to tell you, it, it really hits my heart, the pop culture, the rugby, my two favourite <laughs> things, and the way you intertwine them was brilliant. So we thank, thank you for you. coming on the show, brother, and uh, looking forward to continual content from Squidge Rugby coming all the way from Wales and go Free Jacks, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Diehard fan now, I've decided. I've completely <laughs> sold on, yeah. All right, <laughs> Cheers, Squidge. thank you for having me. Appreciate the time, brother. Take care. Cheers, you too. There you go. Well, Pete, I, every time I sorry, think man, I I, I I think I might like him more than I like you. Well, I don't blame you. It's funny because uh, we had Mardo on from the the Free Jack a few weeks ago. I'm like, Pete can't get any nerdier than that, and you may have just topped it again. What was it about Squidge that you find it so appealing? Like the, the so, videos so I, at the World Cup. Well, I, here's here's the thing about Squidge, right? So Squidge is great for me because he provides insight like deep insight to the game like like he is he, you know he will watch these games over and over again just like a coach would right to, when they're when they're um looking at uh opposition so he really sees the patterns and then he's also really good for people that don't understand the game like you dan because he's full of pop culture <laughs> references and i know how much you like the pop culture so he gets both the guy that understands the game and the guy that doesn't understand the game and that's why i think he's special uh, full disclosure. I, I don't get the pop culture references. Like, I've got no idea what he's talking about. So it's not. I like... did. I did. We full disclosure after the interview finished. I actually stayed on uh, for quite a while, and we we talked some pop culture. So I gave him a playlist that he has to go and watch to get up to speed. But uh, I don't, honestly, my equal, if not superior, in pop culture, is with us tonight, and that's Danny Wexelman. <laughs> Danny, have you have you seen have you seen the Squidge video on Major League Rugby yet? I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure the name just sounds disgusting for you, Squidge. Um, but smart guy, you have to watch. I'll send you the link well, when the show well, is done. Hold it, like if if we're gonna go off it, Danny, what's your favorite teen high school like teen movie? Oh my god, my favorite teen movie. Um, what 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 qualifies as a teen movie? American Pie, anything high school, tempting to hate about you, she's all that. High school, about teenagers. Break, uh, the, the Breakfast Club. Oh, oh. Um, Don't say Twilight, please. 16 Candles. 
Oh, you're old school. I like it. Yeah. 16 Candles, definitely um, uh, Molly Ringwald. I'm a big fan. Not breakfast there you go, Molly. Ringers. How's Ringers doing these days? What's she up to? I think she's still acting. I think she it like has a role in a show right now, actually. Good for her. Yeah, she's classic, though. She, she just looks more like a mommy now. <laughs> <laughs> but she looks kind of the same, but just like the mum version of what she looked like when she was a teenager. Exactly. Yeah, but American Pie, I mean, for sure, classic. That's top five, absolutely. Quintessential American high school experience, that. Growing up outside of America, to me, I was like, that's exactly what it must be like. Exactly. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like literally the rest of the world, that's what they think high school America is. It's like the jocks sit somewhere, there's the popular cheerleaders, there's the nerds, there's the goths, and it's literally like that's like that there's no one that doesn't fit one of those stereotypes. All right, that's so let's 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 turn this podcast into a microcosm of high school in America. Danny. Yes. What are the groups? So what group did I sit in? What group would Pete sit in? Where oh, did you sit? You're going to make me do this? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to start with myself. I was an athlete, so I sat with the athletes. Jocks. Jocks. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I was a jock, but... You don't have a choice. You're sitting with the athletes. You're in or you're out. <laughs> I'm an athlete. I'm a jock. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, Dan, I'm going to say... The nerds. Yeah. It's a glasses, isn't right? it? Dude, the nerds are the ones that get rich and have much more successful lives, right? Well, that didn't turn out to be true, so. Peter, gosh, Peter, man, I, I want to do like a safe choice. Were you a skater boy? No, no. Like, I am, I, I like, for someone who, like, played a lot of sports, I could barely stand up on a skateboard. My balance is absolutely terrible. Talk to anyone about ice skating and I'm like dangerous. Like we, we, had, we had an ice skating rink um, in Louisville where I live and my wife was like, you're not coming with me and my daughter. Like we'll go ice skating and you get to watch. That's how bad I am. So definitely not a skater. Okay, you were, you were in the jocks then obviously, yes? You know, I, I mean, you can call that. I, I actually was one of those people that kind of did a bit of everything. So I played sports, I did music, I did drama. Popular? Is that what you're trying to... Are you no, not popular, no. No, no one actually wanted me in the group, so I had to flip between groups. That's kind of what I Is he an artsy guy? Oh, that's what I had. I had Pete in the drama club. <laughs> I, like, I was definitely in the drama club. <laughs> a, little, uh, a little Macbeth as he's walking around the courtyard. The slings and arrows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, this, is, this is where the wine is, is really... Is this, is this like a... Um, you know, reflect on your life podcast or is it an MLR podcast? Danny, you're, you're a really bad influence so far. Or maybe it's the wine I'm drinking. That's the best compliment you could have given me. Oh, you're a bad influence. I'm a good one. Well, let's let's get back on topic a little bit, Danny. You you okay. proving to be a distraction for PJ Rugby Nine. Let's talk a little draft time because that was. Uh, the last probably like television event that we've seen for Major League Rugby with the season cancelled. So you and I in a car for three and a half hours from New York City to Boston. Yeah. Is that the most painful experience of your life? I'm just beating Pete to the punchline there. <laughs> it was the second most, not the first. <laughs> oh, now I'm curious. <laughs> no, we're not derailing. Um, 
I would like to say that that was in the middle of a pandemic, the most welcomed, um, happy relief of having the opportunity to get in a car, get out of New York City. I had not left the city yet. Um, I had been in my, you know, less than 500 square foot apartment for three months. And um, I felt like I was breaking out of jail. And you picked me up on the corner in Chelsea. And we had a, you know, a happy hello. And then we were on the road. And I, I had a blast, man. I won't even lie. I'll give it to you. I had a blast. I'd say if we don't, if they're not sponsoring the show already, Chevy should, because that Malibu, what a smooth <laughs> ride. You and I down the Merritt Parkway in the Chevy Malibu, and we, we pushed it to the limit too. Sound system, accelerator, everything. What a, I mean, apart from me getting distracted talking about 90s female pop singers and almost crashing a few times. Right. Smooth. Right. Who's your pop Mount Rushmore? Uh, I ate a lot of gummy bears and a lot of not chips. the colorado ones people it was right. legit the clean gummy bears the hair boo my fave um and a lot of jams we had a lot of jams and it was like a it was also like a great just like um vent session like we both were just venting about lots of different things and it was like two schoolgirls having a great time it, it, it literally is like like when you're with dan it is like being with a schoolgirl. that i can absolutely like, agree with well, let's, let's throw Pete under the bus here because I made Danny pick her late 90s, early 2000s female pop singer Rushmore. And we had to put four people up there. Yep. Who would be your top four? So from 95 to 2005, we decided to break it up like that. What? Exactly. And I, had I mean, actually, Madonna. Madonna's got to be on there. <laughs> keep going. What? Keep going. No, keep going. No judgments. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can see there's a huge judgment that happens right here. So, um, 95, she was on like a third religion at that point. She wasn't relevant anymore. I can't, like, dude, honestly, I'm so old that 95, like, how old was I? Give him I some old. options. I was, oh, I yeah, had, yeah, yeah, that's, my, that's good. My queen is Britney Spears. So, Britney was my number one. B Spears went at top. Um, I had Shakira. Because okay, Shakira, Shakira, I can get Britney not so much, but Shakira. I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, let's be honest, Dan. Did you choose Britney because she sang really well? That's obviously not the reason why you chose Britney. Brit Britney changed pop forever. Okay. Britney spoke to his heart, Peter. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it wasn't his singing that spoke to his heart. Let's just say that. The red, the red jumpsuit, the leather jumpsuit. <laughs> Oh, I can, the boa. Are we off? Are we off? Like, like I don't see MLR off season, but are we off? Like again, is this Dan, is this the Danny influence or the Dan? No, I, I think Dan and I talked about how to get pop culture onto the show because you were missing all the references when we talked to Switch. Yeah, like, I, yeah I'm, I don't, I don't do pop culture. Like I, Danny, this is how bad I am. This is how old I am. I tried to get on Instagram. I tried to get my, I'm on Instagram, but I tried to start using it. And my wife started explaining it to me. And I'm just like, no, just I'm out. I'm out. I'll be <laughs> there one day, but I can't really afford to do that right now. Like yeah, right. I'm still in the place where it's like, you have to have one of those. I have to have a TikTok, even though. So, I'm okay. So you, so, so you have a TikTok. So if someone goes on TikTok, will they see you dancing? Is that what you, well, I don't, I've never even been on TikTok. So I don't even know. What are, what are you doing on TikTok? Are you just doing the same thing you do on Instagram? Um, I am just re-uploading old stuff that I have right now in hopes that like it will garner 
traction. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. And if you're listening to this and you'd like to help me, call me, beep me, however you want to reach me, Kim Possible. Did you get that reference? And uh, I'm just, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm not dancing. I'm not doing the um, cool trends. I'm not trendy. I'm just trying to be classic. Got it. Now, you have to do that because this is your job, right? Your job is to be in social media and to interact with fans, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. When an athlete says something to you, whether it's pop culture, whether it's um, a, a reference to something that has to do specifically with Twitter, with Instagram, with TikTok, and you turn your head and don't know what they're talking about, you've lost them. You're done. And I feel like you lose cool points. You lose professional points. You just lose points with athletes if you aren't caught up in it. From my perspective, from your perspective, I don't think that's the case, but mine on the field and they reference something. If you don't catch it, like you just kind of look, you look dumb and it sucks and it's not a good feeling. So I try my hardest to like stay up. And I also work a lot with um, amateur baseball players, like high school guys, 18 year olds, who are so much cooler than me. And if I am not even in the least bit, like in the same universe as them on the same planet, I'm cooked. I'm cooked and I'm done forever. So I, I got to stay uh, hip. I got to stay so, hip. So what's been, what's been your like biggest social media hit that you've had? What's been, is, have you had something that kind of like got trending? Yeah, I interviewed um, Tim Lincecum. And um, for those who aren't as familiar in the baseball world, he pitched for the Giants, World Series winner. Just phenomenal. He crashed and burned really quickly in his career. But he's one of those guys who disappeared. And he's so famous and so beloved by um, the San Francisco Giants fan base that anytime he pops up, people are like, oh, my God, stop the presses. Tim Lincecum has made an appearance. And he made an appearance after literally not being seen by a person for years and I got to interview him on live television. So that was pretty cool. That happened. Was this, was this after he moonlighted as an angels pitcher? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was after that, that special moment. I uh, love it. Well, you know, I, I know Dan, am I like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in Danny. I'm more interested in Danny than pop culture. So I'm not sure where we go next. Well, I go hand in hand. I mean, for those who don't know, a lot of Danny's work outside of rugby, and we're going to get into how you got into rugby in just a second, but is with an under-18 demographic in baseball. So expect the numbers in this podcast to be huge from the 12 to 16 range of males. As long as we, put it, as long as we post it on TikTok. I don't know that we've got, a, we've got a handle on TikTok yet. Tell you what, Pete and I will do a, um, a partnership on TikTok if we get enough retweets how many retweets off this yeah, show on, on it. like those guys aren't on twitter it needs to be whatever you do on instagram likes on instagram uh, likes on instagram um we need something anyway we'll do a tiktok i'll do a dance with pj I rugby you want to do a dance i feel like this is not yanking your chain you <laughs> you're this is absolutely true this is technology. i know what you're doing stop it danny you're never coming back on the show stop it Giving away all my secrets. <laughs> so let's talk. I, let's I talk about your journey in the rugby. Come on, Pete, stay okay. on the show. Now, you were very much entrenched in sports before you found Major League Rugby. I met you last year, where we did a game in New York together. I think it was your first ever game. Yes. Right? Yes. 
So don't talk about that because that's boring, but talk about the lead up to that and kind of how you found yourself, you know, doing sideline for Major League Rugby. It's my favorite story, actually, in my um, young career, I'd like to call it so far. So I was deeply entrenched in baseball. I was working for MLB.com and MLB Network. I moved to New York for those jobs. And, um, you know, I'm from Missouri, so I'm very familiar with Lindenwood. We had um, club rugby at my high school, so like very familiar with the sport, but have never really had the opportunity to work in it. And I was like very... um, you know, I had my blinders up with baseball and I actually got laid off in 2019. Um, MLB.com and MLB Network, long story short, merged. And so a lot of people lost their jobs. It was a bummer. Um, but I had done a baseball game with Perfect Game, which is who I do a lot of my amateur work with. And the game aired on CBS Sports. And we had a rain delay. We had a two hour rain delay that I filled. Uh, we did not go to break. I filled almost all of it with interviews. Wow. Uh, let's just let's just point out that 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 is that is really really hard like when we when we're asked to fill three or four minutes yeah. like if, mm-hmm. if there's a delay in the game like it, it's it's hard to do that and be in thing but to do that for hours like that that's that's some real skills there yeah so our ep who was also the play-by-play had packages produced he's like we're not going to go to break it's our airtime. we bought it so we're going to fill it and someone saw it from cbs this woman and her name's julie and shout out to her because she wrote this letter and you know when you work in sports on air or behind the scenes you never know if you don't you've done something good right you only hear what you mess up there they will run to you they will bust down your door and let you know that you messed up big time and so she wrote this incredible email to my to my manager and just said how great of a job I did filling the air and how impressed she was with me and it blew my mind I almost cried and I don't cry I don't even have tear ducts and um so when I, I let her know when I got laid off in 2019 I was like I'm looking for work and she connected me um, with a few people in MLR and I ended up getting that job with you, Dan, in New York, because I'm based in New York and I'm assuming something fell through and they needed someone to fill in. And it was the best, um, you know, it was a loss. It was a really big loss for me. It was really hard to deal with, but it ended up being actually the best thing that's happened in my life. And I got that gig. And then I only did one game that season, 2019. And then uh, coming back for this year, MLR asked if I would come back and do, you know, I, I, my schedule was a lot of the East Coast, but I got to go to Vegas for opening weekend, um, which is, is probably like in my top 10 of things that I've done sports-wise is getting to cover those back-to-back opening weekends in Vegas this year. Vegas, what a city. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's keep the stories about Vegas on the field. So, 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 you know, talk to us as someone who isn't a rugby person that's come to the game. This is going to be – that's important for Major League Rugby success is we need to attract more people that don't know about the game or, or, or aren't fans to becoming fans. So talk to us a little bit about what you like about Major League Rugby and why you're now an enthusiastic supporter. Yeah. Well, let's start with the people. First of all, the people who work in the sport and play the sport are, are 
next level humans. They are some of the best of the best. And I don't say that lightly um, because I, I have worked in other avenues and it's some of the best I've ever worked with. And so just the opportunity to feel welcomed for people to understand that this, I don't, that's not my first language. Rugby is not my first language. So I am still learning the technical side of the game. For me, it's the stories. I'm a storyteller through and through. I could talk X's and O's if you, if you want, but I think that people, what you, what draws people to a sport is the, the story of adversity is the story of the Wilson brothers who had never played against each other and did that for the first time, you know, Bailey making his debut, Mitch, um, you know, starting with a, a team in their first season. And it's stories like those that's going to draw any fan in. You don't have to know a thing about the game, but the second you get hooked on a player's story, a player's background, a player's mom, whoever it is, a player's haircut, you're hooked. And if I can tell that story to you in such a conversational way that makes you feel like you're a part of the team, you're a part of the show, you get them for life. It does not matter if you do not understand every single part of any game, of any sport, especially rugby. Rugby is intricate. And I think that you can draw someone in so quickly if you have the ability to just make them feel like they're part of the team, they're part of the family, and that they fall in love with the player. So for me, from my perspective, I feel like I, that's my strength. And although rugby is not my first language, I've been able to intertwine my love for storytelling and, and the sport and hopefully draw people in who are you know casual fans, serious fans. And I hope that they have kind of respected what I've tried to do so far in the sport. Well, I think it's interesting because to, uh, and, and I love that, um, that approach, Danny. It's something that I really believe in. I think um, the stories of rugby are great and I think they're really powerful. And it's a lot easier to understand the story of someone's journey than it is to understand the game. The game itself can be quite complex. So maybe what, are, what, what were some of the challenges you've had of being <laughs> like a sideline reporter, but not having rugby as your first language? Yeah, I think I tell people this a lot. I'll tell, I'll call my friends after, um, a match. And for one, I, I work baseball, lacrosse, and rugby. So I work on a field, I work on a floor, and I, I work, um, uh, you know, in, in a box. I work in, in different places, first of all. So the language, you can like hear me trying to go through it. Um, I like I don't want to mess it up and say the wrong thing. So not only the language, the, the words that are, are used, right? Um, I was trying to figure out the best way to explain a try um, and, and using the right words to describe that. Um, numbers for positions um, and just working my way through that and not identifying someone by where they are. Um, where they are, yes, but... Welcome to New York. <laughs> Welcome to New York. What was um, that? That's a great question. I'm not going to go find out. <laughs> Absolutely not leaving my apartment to find out what that was. There's multiple things happening here. Wild Tuesday night in New York City. Um, yeah, the positions, I think sorting through the positions and understanding um, the names and the numbers and what they do and how they work together. Um, that's, that's something I'm still working through right now. But again, I think for me, what I felt really grateful for was everyone at MLR said to me, we're not so concerned with, um, you know, those parts of the game. We want you to 
present the stories. We want you to explain what's going on in and out of these guys' lives, but also be able to identify something that is happening um, on the field and being able to dissect it in an important way. So that's, that's what I am still working through. Um, and I, I am trying extremely hard to make it so it's more casual and it's coming out of my mouth and not stumbling through it. But I, I am definitely still working my way through a couple of different things with the sport. All right. Who's your favorite player? Okay. So we talked about this a little bit in the car. So I feel semi-prepared to answer this question. That's softball. That's what I call that one. I call that one a softball. You can use that phrase if you want next year. <laughs> you can use that phrase. First of all, softballs aren't even soft. Well, I think it's more in terms of like just the lob of like an easy one. Right, but like like real softball, fast pitch. Yeah, like like that doesn't even work. Beer league, like league softball. For you. I'm gonna burn you right now. Yeah, just keep going. I'm used to it. It's kind of my role. Have you ever had a rise ball thrown at you, Dan? Yeah. A rice a rice ball. A like rise a ball. A rise ball. You can explain this to him, Danny. A rise ball. A ball that comes in like about a foot. It's coming in at your waist and then... The submarine? Is that the submarine? Right past your face and you'll swing nine out of ten times. All right. My, here's my baseball story real quickly in America. I went to a batting cage, uh, swing and a miss for the first probably four, and then I ended up standing cricket stance and smoked everything. So not a baseball player. But all right. All right. So Back I point. have favorites. I, I am not supposed to have favorites, but one of the people I enjoy talking to the most this year... Um, out of everybody was Devet Roos. And we spent what was supposed to be about a 15-minute um, pregame interview before I went out uh, to Vegas. I, I talked to a bunch of guys. Um, it's, I asked for about 15 minutes. We spent probably an hour talking about life, about how he got to this point. And he just it's one of those moments where you just really appreciate when an athlete will just word vomit for days. And I mean that like in the nicest way possible, because it makes my job so much easier. And he was um, willing to answer any and all questions. And I just thought his story is really special. He said that, um, you know, Sam Windsor had, had been trying to get him on that team since day one. And he decided it was finally time to take the risk. He didn't know he was captain until like three weeks out from the start of the season and, you know, I was like, are you going to buy some cowboy boots? Are you going to go to the rodeo? And he was all in. He's all in um, on that, that, you know, that space in Texas. And I w I'm just a fan of the person, of the athlete, of the warrior that he is. Yeah, and I think, I think this is interesting because I think one of the things that separates rugby from other American sports Danny's talking about, which is how approachable players are. Yeah. Right? Like, like literally, like, you can go to a major league rugby game and after the game, you can go meet the players. Yeah. Like they're stand, they're hanging out on the on the field. Like what other sport in 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 America do you I mean it's just and, and then the fact that they're so approachable and they're willing to share, I think I think it's a difference maker in the sports market. Yeah. Oh, I would totally agree with that. And I think to your point, you know, as in my position, I try to be a little careful navigating that. Um, because someone's always watching you and and uh, you have to be careful, I think, especially as a woman. But I will say the other point to the love of this sport is the fact that, you know, you're literally like bulldogs on each other for the entirety of the match. And then the second it's over, 
you're back to best friends, you're back to having beers together. And it's the most beautiful thing. And I wish that every sport would adopt that. Mm. It is, it is so unique too. And it's kind of weird growing up with it. It mm -hmm. just feels normal. And then you get yeah. to see other sports and, um, could you imagine baseball players doing that? I couldn't even fathom them doing that at all. I think I think social media is certainly closing that gap in other sports, and then the the generation, young generation coming through, there's probably a little less animosity and more social kind of awareness to that thing. But I don't think we'll ever see it hit the level that it is in rugby. And it's kind of it's been interesting because you go back even years back, like so seventies and eighties, uh, when the game was very much different. Danny, it was. You would literally go out and you call yeah, it bulldog. What was it like? Like you would, you would literally fight. Like you would punch someone in the head as hard as you can, and then you would find them afterwards and bring them a beer and be like, "Oh yeah, you got the better of me, or I got the better of you." And obviously, we've gone a long way from that. But that kind of culture is always stuck with the game, and it's so, it's so refreshing now, having been in the US for a while, to kind of see it stay. Yeah, I think I think it's um, there's a huge amount of respect that's in the sport. So you respect the referee, right? And I think, Dan, the reason why people behave like that in rugby is because you respect your opponent. It doesn't matter what happens on the field, but after the field, you always have respect for them. And I, you know, I, I remember reading, I think it was the opening paragraph of like a South Africa rugby journal, or, or sorry, rugby coaching guide that I read from the 90s. And I think this was also in, in the IRB guide for a little while. And it was like, it's the physical nature of the sport that creates the bonds. It's the fact that it's such a physical game and that not everyone is willing to do it, right? There's something different that you're willing to step on the field. And I had a Canadian coach, um, Paul Kononoff, when I was at Penn State, and, and he would tell new players, he said, the first time you step onto a rugby field, and, you know, in, in the States, this happens late, right? So it happens maybe at 14, maybe even later. Um, you know, the first time you step on a rugby field, you gain the respect of all the rugby players in the world because you don't know what you're in for and you're willing to step on it. Mm. But the second time you step on a rugby field, you become a member of the rugby family because now you know what you're in for and you're still willing to do it. So there's a bond for the people that are willing to step on their field and play this really unusual game, right? And literally put their bodies on the line. And that is the bond that you feel when you meet another rugby See, that's the bond I have for Danny now because last year she worked with me not knowing how big of a douchebag I am. And then she willingly got into a car for a culminative seven hours with me. So respect, Wexy. Hey, respect. Someone paid me to do that. That's why. Oh, that's right. You did get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone paid it to do both of those things. Like literally, yeah. Danny hasn't had an interaction with you that hasn't been a paper. <laughs> One day I'm going to find a friend. I'm going to be that nerdy kid at high school who, who comes good, like Ryan Reynolds. What was the movie with Ryan Reynolds where he gets all dreamy? Oh, Hallow Shall or Shallow Hell. <laughs> he's always, yeah, he's a nerd at high school and then he comes back all ripped up and looking good. Yeah. Or The Rock. In, Wait, are we uh, talk about the draft though? Yeah, let's talk about the draft. What a night. Yeah. What a night. You were my number one pick for that whole event. You carried me and I thank you for that, but... What were, you, what were your thoughts on it? Because you know the draft landscape, obviously baseball, you've probably met thousands of, of kids who've gone into that MLB draft and you've seen yeah. them kind of high school. Some go to college and come back, others straight into the league. How was that experience for you for a new sport and kind of seeing that happen for the first time ever? 
that's the that's the phrase there the first time ever and obviously watching baseball drafts being a part of them sometimes and knowing how storied they are and then just flipping the coin and pulling a 180 and doing something that has never been done before was I mean dude it's it's top it's top for me and having the chance to like welcome these new guys into the fraternity welcome them into this incredible community of people into the pipeline right that was the word we used a lot but it's true right give these kids an opportunity to play here in the united states and get to be the ones who say their names when i think it was um nish i was like nish who's saying their names who's announcing them and he's like, well, after the commissioner, George Kilgrove, does that, uh, you'll be saying their names. And I was like, what? Me? I get to say their names for the first ever draft? Are you kidding me? Who, who is letting me do this? Like, did my mom pay somebody to let me do this? Because I just think that moment in history and just in their lives, those guys' lives, you could hear in their voices, in my voice too. Um, you know, I got a little high pitched there every once in a while, but man, just being, you know, it was so interesting. We were in a small studio, we were wearing masks and um, everyone was just being really careful, but we had a blast. Like we had so much fun. You know, these, these are people you've known for a long time. We've got coaches hopping on and just hearing how excited everyone is for this moment for the sport and for major league rugby. I was um, thrilled and just super humbled to be a, a little part of that day. I have to say, I thought um, you guys did a, a great job and, and um, a shout out to Aaron Castro, our producer, because I know that he did um, yeah. a lot of work and prep. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that there are, I mean, especially the first time and especially with the college landscape, like there are curveballs. Like we don't know who's going to get signed, right? Yeah. And so it ends up being like a name comes up and we find ourselves in a situation where it's like a name comes up and we're like, you guys are like, oh, what is that? And Aaron's the guy that has to, has to pull that out. He was so. a rock star, man. That whole day, the whole team. But, you know, Aaron, the prep that we did and beforehand, I was nervous and I wanted to get it right. And I wanted to make sure I knew a little bit about these guys and their stories. And so, you know, Aaron. Aaron Did you guys actually have something on your um, iPads? Because you were holding them. And I wasn't sure if they were props, and they were like, "Oh, we're really cool!" Like, 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 we were like so the draft, so the draft ends right, like some sort of information system, and you had your iPad. Was there anything? So, on so it? the draft ends right, and Dan texts me. He's like, "Who are these people?" <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple. There was a couple of squirrely ones in the second round that, without Aaron Castro's help, could have been a, a very different show. I love that, though. I love that you know you didn't know everything and that there were guys that that's the fun of the day like you're talking about behind the scenes of a broadcast like people the the draft ended and we literally were writing our scripts writing our questions trying to to bang this out as quickly as we could because we had to drive back to new york so we were we were racing the clock and just you know getting everything done and then aaron trying to get us all the information that he possibly could to make sure that we sounded smart and, and were articulate and not messing this thing up. I mean, it was serious team effort, but just a really cool experience. I wish there was like a behind the scenes video because to pull it off was- Do you, do you really? 
You really? Like, <laughs> I, I wish I would have taken more video behind the scenes, but I was sweating so much and just had so much I needed to get done. I couldn't even pick up my phone. We took one picture at the end. And if you, you know, I would have been all about it. We, only, we took one picture at the end. That's, that's crazy. I would have loved the camera in the car. I think the car trip was the best part of the whole thing. Getting lost. We tried to get, uh, we, were, we were literally rushing back to New York. And so we're like, let's grab some food on the road. And uh, Pete, you've driven with me in a car before. I'm, I'm not probably the best driver uh, to be in a car I think, with. I think you tend to multitask when you drive. That's, that's my problem. And so I'm trying to find the perfect place to eat, which in my mind is Chick-fil-A. Uh, Danny the trooper, she's like, yeah, whatever, right? Just whatever doesn't involve you putting me around a tree in this in this beautiful Chevy Malibu that rode like a dream Chevy, just so you know. Um, but then we got lost in the parking lot. I got lost in the parking lot. The parking lot? We could not get into this Chick-fil-A. We could see it. We just couldn't get to it. And it was like, oh, this is special. It was great. It was a great night. It really was. And it was kind of fun to sit back and have the opportunity of the way it was done that we could actually watch the show ourselves and kind of watch the reactions trickle in to the show as it was happening. And, and I also think that, you know, we've, we've, we've spoken to a couple of guys on the show that, that, that were drafted and, you know, I've spoken to a few guys since then and, and it's a big deal to them. And I know there's, there, within the rugby community, there was some skepticism about the draft, about like whether, the, whether you know, the uh, um, league is ready for it. But I think this comes back to, to Danny's point, which is this league's going to succeed with stories. And the draft, I think, brought out some really good stories. And it's also a great starting point for their, like the starting point of someone's narrative of Major League Rugby. And I think people miss that it's about stories. I think they're still, like some of the rugby people are still too focused maybe on what happens on the pitch, the quality of the play, those sorts of things. Actually, you know, as, as you know, Squidge talked about, the quality of play is not high, but it's very entertaining, right? And that's actually mm. more important than the quality of the play, right? And storylines are more important than actually sort of like the, the construction of the, of the squad right now. And so I yeah. think that that's why the draft is important because it's part of someone's journey and part of someone's story. There needs to be an emotional attachment, right? And for most people, that attachment comes from your childhood of watching sport with your parents or watching sport with your friends that you grew up with. There's the attachment. For most people, rugby doesn't have that attachment in the US. So where do you find the attachment? You've got to be attached to the players. You need a reason to support them. You need to have a story, like Danny said. And then we need storytellers like Danny working and in grabbing these stories. And because there are some amazing stories and we could waste hours going through them, but... There has to be an emotional attachment for people to say, okay, I'll, I'll put Rich in my pocket and I'll spend money to come watch these players week in, week out. You know, I'll watch them on TV. I'll buy the merchandise. There's got to be an emotional investment there as well. And I think that's, you know, like you said, Pete, the draft, what Danny does week, to, week in, week out on the sidelines, telling these stories is what's going to create that attachment. And I'll tell you, I, I definitely struggled with that, getting to know some of the guys who weren't initially drafted. Um, I have not, I will, I will be honest, I have not followed up to see if they have been signed, but you know, there, there were some names I'm looking through my list right now um, uh, of guys who just kind of, you know, my heart went out to them because I think when you realize that these are just people who, who are phenomenally talented and people should pay a lot of money to watch them and their talents, they're just people. And they have these, 
you know, these stories, um, you know, Louis Dictama, uh, out of Washington, he, you know, his, his family comes to the United States to get their citizenship. Um, and you know, his family's doing everything they can for this guy there's, you know, there's so many different names. I'm just like looking through my notes here that they, they got me. And so when they weren't initially drafted, I think like a, it, the attachment is there, um, to these guys because they're willing to share their stories, but because you know, they're so good and they make the sport better and they're the people who fans want to watch, who want to, to, to get them to come and put butts in seats and buy jerseys because you want to root for these people. The athletes, yeah, you want to root for the athlete, but at the core of it, you're rooting for the person. Well said. Yeah. Wexy. All right, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. Or we'll, we'll, this will be a four-hour. We'll have to turn this into a two-parter. Uh, big news. Big news around the league. Danny, we're going to get your thoughts on this as well. First, I'll give this one over to Pete, though, as Major League Rugby announced a partnership with OFX as the official foreign exchange partner for the league. Pete, your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of this with Major League Rugby as they bring partners on board. I think for um, OFX, I mean, they are a foreign um, transaction company, right? So if you want to send money overseas or you want to send money to the U- to the U.S., there's, you know, that, that they're a company that, um, that, that does that. And now with partners with Major League Rugby, and I think, you know, there's a pretty significant proportion of Major League Rugby players that are from overseas. And there's certainly a lot of Major League Rugby fans in the U.S. that are expats. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I think the um, OFX are going to use Major League Rugby um, games as a place to bring their clients, which I think is a really smart thing to do, especially with the locations of the teams. Um, and I think hopefully we get to see more and more of these sorts of partnerships. I think it's a big step forward for Major League Rugby to have this kind of partner where there's some fulfillment that's going to um, happen on the sponsorship. So I think it's an exciting moment for Major League Rugby. Yeah, that corporate engagement piece is huge, Pete, and uh, activating you know the, the corporate world into rugby. And you've had experience with it just with your consulting business. I think once they see what rugby is and how accessible it is, you talked about that earlier, a lot of corporations go, oh, hang on a second. There's a lot of value for money here. I get more bang for my buck here. And I'm on the network television still, but I get all this. I can bring my clients here now and they can meet these players after the game. I think, I think, I think the way what rugby provides around client engagement is actually much more important than it is in brand. So, so you know, it's much more about the sales and, and getting the clients and spending time with them in an event. The fact that Major League Rugby has, you know, teams all around the country, which means you can get clients locally. I, I, I think it, it, makes, uh, it makes a ton of sense. And on, on um, OFX, Dan, you know, we should, uh, you know, we could go back to our travel tip, right? So I think one of our travel tips was never exchange cash at the airport. In fact, never exchange cash, right? So just don't exchange cash. That's like, like whatever you don't go to the bank to exchange cash because you, you're going to get a really bad rate and companies like OFX give you a much better rate. So you find a way to get your cash to someone that you know in the country that you're visiting. And that's a much better way for you to get. If you want cash when you visit, that's a much better way to do it. OFX is the Chevy Impala of the foreign currency exchange world. Thanks, Chevy. Really quickly. Yes, go, Danny. I, I remembered the name. I looked through my notes. I'm sorry. Calvin Gentry was the guy also I spent a lot of time talking to out of Memphis Inner City. Memphis, yes, yeah. Great program down there. Um, yeah. is, is that uh, Shane Young? Shane Young? Shane Young. Down there? Yeah, what a legend. He's if you're a Florida boy. And you are not diehard 
and you want to root for a good story, go Google Calvin Gentry, watch his story. Uh, he's, it's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm rooting for that guy. You know, what's another good story? If you were a fan in 2020 and yeah. you bought some Paladin merchandise, yeah. you yep. can keep it next year because they've extended one more year on the contract. So Paladin will return as a kit provider for season four. So all your stuff is still relevant. You don't have to go out and put your Paladin with your X-Blades and get something new now. They're back on board and pretty well received too, I would say, Pete. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. Year, they, they did a really good job with the kit. So, yeah, great job. You, you hear so kit's one of those things that you hear about it if it's not good, and we yeah. didn't hear much about Paladin, right? It's like one of those things where if if the kit's not good, good you hear about it, and if the kit's good, you don't hear about it. And I didn't hear much complaint about the kit this year, so no, so I think collars, Paladin, the collars in New England were a massive hit too. So yeah. yeah, well, I also think that like what's nice about the Paladin sponsorship is that there's a consistent provider, but each team can create their own jersey right and so it's that that's good and it looks like that there's going to be a team that might get might be getting a new jersey for for the next season just, right there. just yeah just hold on danny oh. who's got the best jersey in the league real quick i i was uh beady-eyed for rooney's white oh puke well the pinstripes yeah yeah well she's from new york like what I else pinstripes it's gotta be that I, I thought you were going to give me um, the Gilgronies burnt orange uh, a plug, but it's all right. We'll let that one slide. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> if anything, I am not into the Longhorn burnt orange, dude. Uh, no. And Stan's learning about some of the college football culture that oh, no. live on this show. <laughs> well, Miz, Miz have gone into the uh, SEC now, so yeah, don't have to worry about like, the Longhorns. No. Yeah, there's a long history there. I know, I know. All right. Pete Wait, was alluding to some other big news. Which and Danny, I'll go to you first on this one. What? Which what? one was worse? Which one was worse than that? Which one was your favorite? Oh, my favorite. I don't have a favorite. I'm bipartisan. You shouldn't have answered. No, Joe Brody is definitely his favorite. I have, a soft, I have a soft spot for Austin. They're good, good yeah. dudes. I love an underdog. Rocky Balboa. What's this? Uh, the Rocky, Rocky one this year. They're going to be Rocky four next year. You wait. Ivan Drago. <laughs> Bam. Coming for you. All right, Pete alluded to this. Danny, I'm going to go to you first. Okay. Rugby ATL rebrand. The Rattlesnakes are going to be on the kit. They're going to make them changing to the jersey, like I said, with the snake skin. Um, just to gross everyone out listening, I actually bought a pair of underpants that are Cobra Kai from the Karate Kid, and they've got snake skin on them. It looks really cool. So I think this is going to translate well to a rugby jersey. We're all grossed out. Don't worry. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Um, Cobra Kai. Like, like hopefully, hopefully Aaron can edit that bit out. No, no, no. But I'm just saying the snake skin looks very, very sharp. And I think it'll look really good on the jersey. The coolest thing about it. Yeah. Cobra Kai. Oh, my. The, yeah. the, here we go. The pop culture references. The coolest thing, I think, about the rugby ATL or the rattlesnake story is that that was actually something that was, I think, first suggested on Reddit, and it was kind of adopted by the fans, right? That, that like, you know, with R-A-T-L, they're like, oh, it's Rattle, oh, it's the Rattlesnakes. And I think that's actually really cool. And I think you're right. I think that they can have some pretty cool merch with a Rattlesnake uh, um, mascot. So it's going to be cool to see what they do. What do you think, Danny? I've already petitioned that they, uh, they run out into the field to Stone Cold Steve Austin's team, the Texas Rattlesnake. The glass shatters, and then boom! Out come rugby ATL onto the field. 
it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Big fan. Love it. I think that that's like the edge you need and they got it. I'm, I think I'm wondering if they're going to change their name officially to that um, was something that I was reading about, but I, I love it, man. I, I'm all in on that. And I feel like that just appeals to so it appeals to every age, but especially a, a younger set of eyes. They're going to be captured by that. And they're gonna be like, I, even if they don't follow, they're gonna be like, I need that hat. I need that shirt. I need that kit. That could be really like off the charts. They could yeah. be very, very cool. You no, know, I, I don't want to upset the respect for kicker crowd because they're pretty ferocious, but you could get rattlesnake rattlers and you can shake them when they're trying to kick penalties. <laughs> the whole stadium just sounds like a big rattlesnake. I mean, Chief, you know, product awesome. officer, Chief product officer, Dan Power for the rattlesnake. <laughs> I don't know how cost effective that is. Send him some and then you can put the product out. There you go. Patent pending, trademark, power <laughs> industries. All right, moving on. We're going to do a little bit of signings now. We'll go around the league really quickly. Homegrown talent comes home in uh, Christian Osberg. Uh, most fans will know the name, Pete. Uh, went over to France to kind of make his way into professional rugby. He returns to Austin for 2021. Grew up just down the road in Round Rock uh, where they played their first two seasons. Uh, obviously, very smart move here from Austin to get a local kid coming home who's got a ton of professional experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is, I think, I think a big, um, a big signing um, to bring someone back home so they can play professional rugby. I think, you know, we've seen that a couple of times. I think we'll probably see it a little bit more as some of these other guys that are overseas um, come back. I, I, I love. I mean, Austin's marketing is just really good, and if you want to see something cool, they've got a very cool video up on social media with um, Christian and his family and he's talking about coming home and his mum is crying because she's like gets to see him play. I mean, it's just, it's, it's cool. Stories, Danny. Yeah, wait, yeah. I was going to say, um, you need to go and watch this video because mom is like, um, I'm the mom who's the loudest and the most obnoxious and you're going to hear me in the stands. <laughs> and I'm like, hello, mom, call me. Like, I want to know everything about you. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And no, no, but the funny thing is that you're going to hear me and Christian's like, Yes, you are. I mean, it was, yeah. it, was, it was just like, you can see all of a sudden he was a 16 year old again, like with his mum cheering on the sideline. It was, it yeah. was funny. I yeah, it was beautiful. That. All right. Also in Texas, Dallas signed Henry Stevenson, Campbell Johnson from uh, the Colorado uh, defunct Raptors and Theo McFarlane. New England, uh, this maybe early. I'm going to actually crown New England as the. Uh, the best off-season so far and some of their signings. And that continues Doug Fife and Harry Barlow. Sir Harry Barlow, as he's being dubbed. Um, those signings well, up in New England. About, let's, let's, let's talk about um, an Englishman coming to join the, the, like, like the revolution, right? Isn't that what he's doing? Well, where's it, Paul I, Revere when you need him? Like, well, that, that's what I'm doing. As Barlow runs out, have someone dressed as Paul Revere... Barlow is coming. Barlow is coming. <laughs> but I great. think Barlow, like I think he might be US eligible. I think he has some American family, which I think could be a, yeah. a he big, is a big US pickup. eligible. Yes, he yeah. is. And 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 I think he could be a big pickup. He's a former England um U nineteen player coming back, you know, being um playing professionally, relatively young. I think I think that's uh um a Harlequin's big, boy, right? Sorry? Harlequin's boy? Harlequins, yeah. Play for the Quins. Okay. So he'll be running in against Rob Shaw at some point, I'm sure. Uh, we'll stay. We'll stay on the East Coast. Danny Wexman's uh, adopted hometown of New York, Wilton Hebolo. 
because Brazilians actually pronounce their R's as H's. So uh, there's a little little uh, tip for all the fans at home. Uh, the Hoist Gracie and uh, Hicks and Gracie, the, the Jiu-Jitsu. And I've loved, I actually have loved New York, how they're doing one o'clock Eastern for the announcements every day. Like that's yeah. really good because I get on my phone. Um, oh, it's three o'clock because it's one o'clock mountain. It's three o'clock. It's right. it is three yeah, o'clock. So one o'clock my time, I get on my phone because I know there's going to be an announcement from New York. It's always kind of become exciting. So Wilton uh, Hubolo from the Brazilian national team, you saw his uh, scrummaging highlights there. He also uh, blew up the um, the the, the Moldy All Blacks. Yeah. When yep. they went down there and played, yeah, great performance there. Uh, Joel Miranda from the, the Puma Sevens, Connor McManus and uh, Samu Tawaki also going to Rooney, who are definitely filling up the cupboard for a bit. Yeah, I mean, so um, uh, Hibolo is a great pickup because we know that you need a good tight head to win in Major League Rugby, and, and they've certainly picked that one, um, that one up. And uh, um, Joel Miranda is interesting because, um, you know, is. Uh, um, you know, has played, I think, with the Jaguars down there. So he plays sevens, but also played Jaguars. I think he's going to be one to watch. Yeah, they're, lot, they're going a lot of, like, backs too. You had the Fijian, the sevens, uh, the, the New Zealand sevens guys yeah. re-signing. We'll get into their re-signings, but they've also re-signed some outside backs as well. Um, but, but we knew, like, those backs, and, you know, I think that's, that's Steve Lewis's influence. Like, he's definitely well-connected in the sevens world. You know, coach of the Jamaica Sevens, coach of the All American Sevens. So he, like, I, I think, and I think that's useful for Rooney. I think they struggled with outside backs, um, outside of Ben Foden. They, you know, they'd Ben Foden, um, kind of what it seems we talked about this before, and everyone else was like a seven. So they just didn't have many really dynamic um, outside mm. backs. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to see because we don't know, we don't, we don't have full visibility in who's resigned or who's, you know, who signed two years last year. Like, it'll be interesting to see when. We get later on in the fall when people get close to their preseason that we start seeing those. That's seen, yeah. So the Rattlesnakes, uh, Batista Escura, he signs with them. Very good player going. Really into, good. One of the yeah. so these are the guys. These are a lot of the guys with the Jaguars leave, um, leaving Super Rugby. Right, they're they're, mm-hmm. they're coming up here, and I think it's going to be a benefit. I mean, I think a lot of the South Americans that have come up here have done very well and really added. Yep, the, uh, I, I agree. I think it's probably been one of the best markets in terms of value and, and to performance. The league has been from South America, Uruguay, Argentina. So uh, let's hope that trend continues. Another one from down there, Manuel Montero. Uh, he's massive. He's a gigantic human being. He's gonna. He plays on the wing. I don't. I, I maybe he's the replacement for Dan Moore. But they put up the uh, one of the press release photos. This is one of our good friends, uh, Pete Troy Halls, in the background as. Montero just ran right past him in a, in a game. He's like, oh, thank, thanks for the photo uh, credit, guys. Nice well, stuff. I think, you know, Toronto's all about keeping the band together, right? So they, they, I bet they're going to have the most consistent roster over the first three years of any team. And I think you're right. I think Montero is a replacement. I don't think, you know, I, I think that we've seen players leave and we've seen them be replaced, right? And so um, I think as much as Toronto can, they're going to keep um, their players together. But it's also because I think it's... um. I think Henry, is it Henry Stevenson? Is he Canadian? I think he is, right? And so he's someone that came up through the uh, um, Ontario Blues but didn't end up signing with Toronto and now he's signing with Dallas. So I think that's the challenge is that if you're a young... So the Stevenson one's interesting because he's still a student at Laurier University but they cancelled rugby for 2021. 
Like, so it'll be interesting for tw- fall 2020. So I don't know. So, so he'll probably come up and play in the like he'll play in the spring, right? Because then yeah. it, it wouldn't be in their season anyway. So okay. I think I think so I think what's what's interesting is that with the consistency that Toronto have, it means those younger players in Canada may not see their pathway to Toronto in the short term because they've been so consistent with their squad. Mm, that hasn't been a long time, right? And so we might see more and more of those guys going down, um, like Stevenson, to, um, to the U.S. teams. And I will just add, I was really, really looking forward to covering them last season. I had a couple of uh, matches up there and just, you know, looking at their record, looking at their style of play, I saw them in Vegas. I was super excited to watch them. Uh, so I'm, I'm – looking forward to what they're able to do in the future. Right. Yeah, me too. I think you and I were on a game late there in the year in May, Danny, and I was just looking forward to getting up there and getting a closer look at the, the arrows and their off-field apparel, which is Lululemon, the most comfortable travel pants that I've ever worn, <laughs> Lululemon. There it um, is. There we go. I'm really just shilling it up tonight. I'm loving it. But, uh, we'll jump into some re-signings and we'll start in Austin as well. Mo Abdelmonim comes back. Uh, Pete, Abdelmonim in year one was an absolute nuisance at the breakdown. He's probably hands down Austin's best player. Uh, sorry, last year. Um, I'm getting my confused with the season canceling. Too, right. He was a little slow out of the gate this year. Would you agree? I just didn't yeah, notice I mean, an impact. Dom Akina kind of overtook him a little bit, maybe. Well, I think I think it's because they're they're, they're different kinds of players, like right. So um, uh, Dom Akina is an amazing athlete, great tackler. Um, you know, um, strong ball runner, um, and um, Abdul Monum is much more around the breakdown, right? And 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 he's clever around the breakdown. So it's about getting your balance right in your back row. And so it may be more about who the uh, um, six and eight are with uh, with Austin, but I think he's a quality player. I think he still has some more growth to happen. I think that he does need to add. Like he's he's phenomenal at the breakdown. Like he turns over two or three every game, which is really valuable. But you need to do more than that, I think, in the modern game. And so I think he has to add a little bit more to what he does. Yeah, sometimes, you know, a championship team just needs one piece of the puzzle to succeed. This next signing is that piece of the puzzle. It's build the drill. I mean, no one's ever won a virtual rugby season in the world ever, but build the drill has. And he comes back into reality for the Gilgronies. Not surprising that build the drill gets re-signed, Pete. So, 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 are you going to call him anything else? Like, 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 like this is making an assumption. So, Danny just talked about Money how- McGee. So, 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 Danny just talked about how we have to in- increase and get more people to be fans, <laughs> right? And 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 your use of like nicknames, very Australian of you, reduces that to the people that only watched like, which was a lot of people, like seventeen thousand people watched. The um, the virtual uh, MLR, but it's it's um, Will McGee. Sorry. Will McGee. It's Will McGee. So let's let, let's give Will. And he's definitely like a quality signing. Um, can play ten, can play fifteen. Experienced international. I think a leader on that team. He's someone that certainly embraced um, Austin. And uh, I think you know. I mean, it's it, it was a bit of a no brainer. I think um, you know bringing him back from the UK. He was playing with London Scottish. So uh, we bring some versatility and some leadership. Did you do any Austin games, Danny? No. We'll get you next year. You got to get you got to get down there to Bold Stadium, uh, the house that Gilly built. We're calling it now. Um, great. That's great. 
but it is yeah it, it's, it's a, a good it, response. It, it's a good yeah they're, they're doing they're doing good work they really are doing good work down in Austin. yeah i love texas there you go. Oh, she loves Texas. Texas. Hates the Longhorns, Texas. but loves Texas. I love, yeah, okay. they, I love Austin. I do not love the Longhorns or burnt orange. You might, you might be very welcome in Austin then if you say that. I think that's a pretty big deal to people in Austin is the Longhorns. But as long as let's you go. let them know you don't like them, you're okay. Fair enough. Fair don't enough. Tell anybody. Don't tell anyone, Dan. Keep your mouth shut. Seven hours together. Now I'm starting to question our friendship. It's all right. We move on. New England, Tyg Leader comes back. Another fly half uh, that will go back to New England. And uh, from, from reports, he's currently the only fly half on the roster up there, Pete. Had some injury issues this year with the concussions. So the question mark here is, A, he's a class player, but B, can he get through a season without someone backing him up? Well, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because I think the um, the tag leader went back to New England. I think there were reasons outside of rugby that he went he went there from San Diego. I think he's already thinking about what's next in his life, which is very healthy. And so they definitely need. I mean, I think I you know I don't know if they need someone backing him up, but they definitely need to partner with him. Um, you know, you can't get through the season with one fly half. You probably need at least two and a half and maybe even three. Um, but he's a really strong leader for them. He's a very strong player. He's a great game manager. It might be an opportunity to get a younger player to come in and kind of be mentored by him as part of the future. I think that 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 could be a great role that he could play. I have a couple of things to add. One, so I got to talk with him in Vegas. And first of all, I mean, we you guys have talked about this, I'm sure, but from my perspective, watching New England and New York play each other um, was outstanding. And New England just coming in being like, no, 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 boys, I don't think so. Like, you're not going to run on us here was awesome. And I met Tig and just kind of hearing his story. So uh, a Lindenwood kid too, right? I know he's been a couple places, but I had friends from high school who knew him and he knew them, which was pretty cool. But um, the dude is just good for the game. He's been growing the game at a grassroots level. He puts in the time and the effort. His volunteering is off the charts. And I know that he had been plagued with some shoulder injuries as well as you had mentioned the concussions. But um, I, I think he's just a good dude for the game in general and is very invested in growing and developing it here. Aaron, you've unmuted. I just waited for you to say something. Oh, well, you know, I, I ran into Ty when Pete and I were in Chicago. Um, for the uh, the game against the Maori, and, and I talked to him, and he was like, you know, it was always Boston. It, like the moment he found out that New England was going to have a team, he he knew that he wanted to go to his, well, I guess, his spiritual U.S. home was. You know, it's like it's it's ginger heaven up there. There's about twenty of them in that squad, and the management is just terrifying. It's like uh, children of the corn, except, you know, the gingers. It's, oof. I think once you realize San Diego has all that sun, he's like, I'm out of here. Give me those Northeast winters, please. No, just kidding, Ty. You're, you're a legend. So are all you, all the gingers who are tuning in, we love you too. You <laughs> have a soul. That's all right. Speaking of gingers, we'll go down to New York. Will Leonard, he resigns. Hunko Hamasez, he resigns. Harry Bennett. Some good Aussie blood there. He resigns. And then uh, Ben Foden, an Englishman. Uh, tea and crumpets. He resigns. Just kidding. Ben Foden, 
It's great to see him go around one more time. I think yeah, his, I mean, I, his experience it, is invaluable to that team. Well, and I thought actually he had a really good season last year. Um, you know, he still has a good burst. He's a good decision maker. He's got a good foot. He's, you know, I think, I think that he can still play quality minutes. Um, you know, he's staying in shape. I think, I think that's good. I mean, I think these are all sort of like strong signings. These are all guys that are going to um, see uh, the field. I think Harry Bennett is exactly the sort of, like, you know, we talked about someone that's going to back up 10. Um, and, and actually, you know, I think that um, Cahill Marsh may not be back at New York. So I think 10's probably going to be a factor mark there. So that Car- might be Car- Car- Cahill Marsh is done. Yeah. So that might be an opportunity for Harry, or maybe they'll be bringing in someone else to compete. But um, Harry's got a huge foot. I mean, he might have the biggest boot in, in Major League Rugby. When he connects on that thing, it flies. Danny, they're your team. What do you think? Um, you know what? I was really impressed with some of the moves they made last season. And I know that they were trying a new style um, as well. I believe uh, a new style of defense uh, under Greg McWilliams. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I Listen, I, like I said, I loved that New England came out, out the gate and, and showed them what was up. Um, I think that they struggled a little bit, but I, I am a fan. Um, I, I like the people who are on that team. I think they have great stories. I just, I think it's New York. So it's flashier. It's fancier. They had Bastero. Um, I just think that, you know, they're, they're hyped up and um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm into it. I'm not against it. No, <laughs> you love it. I love it. Pete loves it. And that wraps up the signings around the grounds. And that wraps up the show, Danny. <gasps> well, it's getting late out in the East Coast. What's the time now? It's 10.20 out there. Ooh, 10.20. We're just revealing some of the, the mysteries of the show here by saying, time stamping. Silly me. But Danny, as always, always a pleasure. Great having you on the show. It's great to see you. Stay healthy. Stay safe. It sounds like New York's come out the other side of, of uh, some dark days there. So, Happy to see the great city of New York getting back on her feet and fighting fit. You as well. What's next for Danny Wexman really quick? Where can we catch you? Yeah, I have some baseball coming up. Um, the best kids, the best 13, 14, and 18-year-olds in the country are playing on television uh, over Labor Day weekend. So I'll be down there in Oklahoma City covering that. But um, I would like to also say thank you for having me and thinking that I could contribute to this glorious podcast that you guys have. And I listen, by the way, big fan over here, big fan this girl. So thank you for having me on and letting me uh, ramble for a minute. I have one more. Do you know Big Al, the kid who hits stingers? Have you ever met him? I haven't, but I listen, he's top of my list. You ask me, who do you want to interview in life? Big Al Big is Al. right there. Do you know who that is, Pete? I have no idea who that is. You got to, he's the most adorable kid I've ever seen. He's got this husky voice. He's like, my name's Al. I don't know his last name. Al something. Something with a D. They call me Big Al. I hit dingers. <laughs> at the Little League World Series. And he does. He gets out there and hits dingers. So, anyway, Big Al. We'll get him on the show next year with you, Daniel. We'll do a double yes, feature. Danny Wexman and Big Al. All right, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up for our special guests, Robbie Owen, Squidge Rugby. For Danny Wexman, Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. <laughs>